Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I am your host, Corbin Johnson. And as an avid Trek player, I recently, for World's Weekend, excuse me, had the privilege of having three tournaments, or getting to attend three tournaments, plus a bunch of triples tournaments all over the weekend. And I want to talk about specifically relativity in light of the latest erratas, the erratas affecting other affiliations other than relativity, but specifically in what I saw in one particular game I had versus Borg. So what I'm kind of driving at is, so let's just, let's just get into it, right? So, uh, Mike, uh, comic book hero on message boards, had, uh, had this brilliant idea of having a second edition tournament where everyone brought a deck of an affiliation where they would earn an achievement, a play achievement, if they brought it. In other words, play an, play an affiliation that you have not played before in a tournament. Unless, of course, you don't post your decks. Uh, anyway... One of our players doesn't really... Uh, he says, I'm not an achievement whore. So he, uh, he got to bring what he wanted. So he brought Krug Klingon, Krug Klingons and uh, still didn't win, but did very well for himself. Anyway, so I brought Borg Assimilation. And I found that to be really fun and interesting, actually. Uh, Borg Assimilation, for those who, uh, who haven't played it, is... Maybe the most interactive you can get in a second edition game. You're given kind of two options. You can, as you play, if you feel that there's an opportunity where your opponent is vulnerable uh, and you've got the right drones out or they're at a planet, then you just go over. A drone lets you beam some crew over. And uh, if you've got some points from the annexation drone, then boom. Or if you've solved a mission... Uh, boom, you can use a combo of cards to more or less reliably take anywhere between three to six of their guys and potentially de-staff them, potentially grab guys who have skills that they otherwise would lack. It's very random. You don't really have a good... There is one card that gives you the choice of who to assimilate, but most of the time it's a random selection. So, Borg Assimilation was really fun. I got to come and interact with my opponents in a way that's kind of unfamiliar to me in TUI. Very TUI, I always think of just get your guys out and attempt missions. Very straightforward, very solitaire, except for the dilemmas. So, I had fun. Uh, the Borg, the, the errata of fifth affected my deck. I didn't have quintessence in the deck, but fifth was able to help me uh, pay for some harvest drones. Harvest drones cost five. I think they're the highest cost Borg personnel in the game. So fifth would, when I played her, take a card off of my energize that was out, and no one messed with my energize as far as I recall, but play fifth, get a card back, and then 
potentially get some cheaper harvest drones, which is great. And the harvest drones can also be swapped in with the queen, which is very nice as well. So you can take your two-cost, or I, I don't know if there's any one-cost drones, but definitely two-cost drones, and swap them in for the five-cost harvest drone. So <clears throat> that's kind of fun, too. So get on your ship, go to your opponent, hang out, have some fun. So the errata, right, um, someone's pointed out to me that you can use Lacutus's board cube uh, to get fifth out of play again and play her again to keep the energize shuffle going if you will and that's what players used to do i think fifth's order was return her to hand or discard her or something and then the card on energize goes away well if she's in play you have to wait for an external force a dilemma or your own lacutus's board cube to get that card back so anyway i didn't use that trick but it didn't come up. In any event, I did get to play some guys at a cheaper cost. It was great. So I enjoyed the interactivity of it. I enjoyed getting to play a new affiliation in a tournament. Borg, I've seen, played very well. And uh, I'll talk about Borg more against in my relativity match I played against them later. And what I learned, <clears throat> I think what was most interesting about the Borg Assimilation, is it's a deck that gives you options mid-game. You can still solve missions with just the Borg, or if the opportunity presents itself, you can go and assimilate. So you either have three missions ahead of you without, and you could go assimilate, or you could potentially go assimilate and do uh, a two-mission win if you use one with the Borg enough times. One with the Borg gives you five points for every Borg that you, for every person you've assimilated. That's ridiculous. So in my second game, I, I had scored a total of 50 points with We Are the Borg, or one with the Borg. It was crazy. It was fun. And I ended up, uh, it's always a little awkward in 2E to me when you have solved two missions and then you win on your turn by not solving a mission. It's just, uh, it's a little different. So it's fun, though. Uh, it's good to see that 2nd Edition is uh, has the ability for any player to go outside the normal set of things. And Borg's one way to do it. I've seen Maquis uh, is, is also very good at this as well. So... I enjoyed learning about another affiliation. I think the tournament format of that Mike came up with was very instrumental in me wanting to try something new. And because of our deck editor having so many random, interesting decks on the boards, I was able to go to top decks, go to Borg, and see what was interesting in the assimilation genre. So I just picked a smallish Borg assimilator and went with it. I didn't want a big one. I f wasn't ready for all the tricks of the queen and everything. Um, but now I, have, I think I have a better feel for the queen, too. Uh, but with quintessence gone, I think that Borg deck archetype may uh, be lacking something at this point. <clears throat> so anyway, I did. that was, that was uh, what I learned. So uh, I enjoyed uh, that tournament. I think I got second place thanks to a bye and... Uh, first place went to Casey for his, I can't 
can't remember what he brought. Anyway, so my second tournament, uh, we, we also play 1E over the weekend, and I'm, I'm moving right now. I'm, I'm had no time to build decks whatsoever. Uh, the Borg deck I'd built a couple of weeks beforehand after knowing, and I had had time to do that. In any event, I brought my old Herogen deck mixed with Equinox dudes and had fun with that. It was me. I played against um, Mike again. Uh, he played he played Warney Borg in a more traditional they will be coming build without the 12 space or the 10 space or the 6 or 8 space. And he would have won the game if he had simply flipped mission debriefing early on. And I this is this is a learning lesson right here for all of us. And I think I may have gone with the it's it's the the less responsible thing to do and gone more with the bloodthirsty I'd really like to win a game sort of mentality. So any Borg deck in 1E, you must auto-include Mission Debriefing. It, if you don't have it, you're doing something wrong. So Mike had Mission Debriefing. I think he had it seated the whole time. And sure enough, uh, after the game was over, he hadn't, he hadn't flipped it by the time I won. Um, and it was a close game. He would have won on the next turn. But by the end of the game, he hadn't flipped it. And I said, Mike where's the mission debriefing? He's like, oh, I hate me right now. And I'm like, no, I'm thinking to myself, no, you should hate me. Uh, now, Mike's a good 1E player, but he's only been playing a couple years now. I've been playing 1E for 13 years. I, I feel, uh, you know, I'm kind of the 1E guy for our community, and I feel like I should have, earlier on in the game, alluded to the fact that he should have flipped it. So I let Mike pretty much just flounder there, and uh, I, I ended up winning the game because, well, frankly, I, I I didn't tell him, you know. And you know, it's fifty-fifty, right? You know, a good player knows to not make that mistake, but a newbie, and Mike's not a newbie. He's too. He's been playing for two years at least. I don't know. I think. The right call would have been for me to say, hey, where's your mission debriefing after, uh, after my first mission attempt? But I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I get to play 1E so rarely, and winning feels pretty damn good. But in this case, winning didn't feel right. So, uh, so I'm sorry to Mike for uh, what happened, and I think it's a learning lesson for both of us. So that's... Uh, uh, so, so that's what happened uh, with that game. I then went on to play uh, John, a player joining us all the way from Ohio, and found out, let's see, what, what is he playing? Uh, just a straight-up TNG continuing mission deck with a couple of Kobayashi Maru scenarios. And boy, oh boy, I think he cleaned the floor with me. His dilemmas were, were hitting me fast and hard. I don't remember exactly what happened. But it was a lot easier for him to solve, you know, uh, three missions before I could solve four. So, you know, congratulations to him. I did make one mistake that game. 
and I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, he, what was it? I'm not sure now. Uh, oh, I, I tried to attempt a mission, and I knew that I was going to need two women for matriarchal society, two females, excuse me, and I had only one there, and the other one was on the ship, and uh, I, it stops them, right? So, you know, that was pretty much that. It, I don't think it actually ended up mattering. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess the lesson, <laughs> at the very least, I, you know, two things come to mind here. One is, you know, double check your freaking away teams and crew before you attempt a mission. Like, seriously, think about it. Take 30 seconds, step back, and think through what you're about to do. I know it's very tempting in, in both games to just play on and kind of, oh, yeah, everything's fine, yeah, yep, just, you know, I, I kind of remember what was going on, but, hey, let's just plow through because it's a 75-minute or it's a 60-minute game and we're running out of time. But taking a, an extra second or two can't really hurt that much and no one's going to call, call you on it if you need to do that. Secondly, I was just surprised. You know, it, it is good. It is really good to see that an Alpha Quadrant deck of that caliber took uh, a game against Delta Quadrant, against a very competitive Delta Quadrant deck, in my opinion. I mean, you know, I, I can't say for certain, right? It's my own. So, uh, uh, uh. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was good. It felt good. The, I mean, you, I'm still an opponent of continuing mission. I think it's very powerful. And I think it was not the right way to handle the situation of trying to get those guys playable. But nonetheless, it did, it did accomplish its goals in stride. And it's become a very, very popular deck archetype. All right, so I played finally against Jason who brought his uh, Delta Quadrant deck. He brought a Voyager Kazon deck. And wow, was that a lot of fun. So it's one reason I like to play Delta is because I hope to not play against Delta. I hope that it's kind of, I'm here, you're there, let's play some Solid Track. <laughs> uh, but he brought the Kazon Jank and the new Voyager and it was a lot of fun. He tried to board me once uh, with boarding pod. I don't think he ever went through the motions of doing it, but I, was, I certainly felt threatened by it. At one point, I amassed a little armada of my own just in case he planned to stick around. And I think he got the drift and moved his Voyager away from where I was camping out. I got, a, I got an early mission solve in. And that kind of helped me get things going. My opponent never busted out. It, he was playing with the old school Q's tent so that he could try to micro team. Uh, it didn't work out in his favor as when he did, tr the one time he did try to micro team, it was with the one person he needed to solve the mission and it was with one person, and it was at a planet, and he had completely forgotten about Villagers with Torches. And again, the benefits of winning at that moment outweighed the benefits of take, letting him take back a very unreasonable decision. 
uh, for lack of uh, other words to be used for that. So, yeah, it's not like he insisted, oh, let me take it back, let me take it back. You know, we are very, uh, it's a Tui-centric group, and for some reason the Tui culture is very much uh, poised around this idea of once you've done an action, you don't get to take it back. Uh, I feel, when I play Tui, I do like to let my opponents uh, take back some actions when I know they've made a huge mistake or some, not a huge mistake, but just something that's a little more than trivial. Usually opponents in both games, you know, trivial uh, grievances, if for lack of a better word, uh, your opponent will typically let you take back. Things like, oh, I choose this guy for pitching in. Oh, no, 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 actually I meant this guy. And then the opponents, they don't, they usually don't care, that sort of thing. But if it's something like, oh, uh, you know, I, you know, if you... <laughs> You chose, oh, this guy gets killed by Dilemma, you move on to the next one, and, oh, I wish I had that guy back, you know. You don't, we don't even say things like that when we play these games. We just go, well, that's just how the chips lay, and, you know, we press on. So in this case, again, I could have been nice and just let him solve. I think, I wonder if he would have won at that point. I think he would have won the game. If he hadn't been in the situation where he would win the game, Maybe I would have let it slide. I don't know. I just, as a 1E player, whenever you have, as, as in all of these games really, when you have an advantage, if you don't take it and then you lose, I mean, both players, especially yourself, are going to feel pretty crappy about it. You know, you'll say, oh, three turns back, I could have, villagers have torched you and I would have won the game. And then they're like, well, why didn't you? Oh, because I thought, you know, you made a stupid mistake and I was in a good mood. Well, you should have done it anyway, right? Because no one wants to feel guilty after a game. You want to feel proud of yourself for having built such an awesome deck, right? And hang on. Oh, yep. You want to feel proud of yourself for having built such an awesome deck, and you don't want to be in a situation where you're apologizing for winning, right? I mean, you can be a jackass when you play Trek. That's fine. I don't mind. You want to bring your 12-space Borg deck to a local event? Cool. You want to bring your Krooch Klingons to, like, a, a virtual format or something? Which, I don't know if you can even do. Sure, do it. But play like you mean it, and don't just, just don't, don't be that guy. I saw some movie the other day. Uh, it's called The Players, like, Part 3, or The Gamers, Part 3. And they, they're playing this CCG, and the guy, this one guy, is, like, the super villain of, he's the best player of the game in the tournament. And it's, uh, and he comes in, and he's like, shall I beat you with half of my deck? Or a third of my deck. I'm like, wow. And I'm sure we can relate, to, not exactly to that situation, but we've been in that situation where a player brings some crazy-ass deck, and they're going to win on turn one or turn two, which is very rare in Trek these days, if not impossible. But it's happened, and we've at the end of the game, we're like, I didn't even have a chance! You brought this, and I was like, woo! So... Yeah, I mean, that 
avoiding that situation is something that's really up to the game designers at this point. But if if you're playing Trek and you're not playing through like seven turns, then that's that's the designer's fault. But if you brought a reasonable deck and at some point your opponent just gave, let you do something and they should have been like, no, 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 hang on, no. Uh, I've got the counter to that. Uh, well, you know, I think both players are going to feel somewhat bad at the end of the game. So I say we try to avoid situations like that and just play our best. When you play your best, there's really no apologies to be made at the end of the game. And that's the real lesson I want to take away from this particular podcast. So one more thing before we wrap up another maybe five minutes here. So I brought out my relativity build that I ripped off of someone a long time ago, the one I've been talking about. Very slim deck. I didn't have time to really work on a deck an hour before this tournament to kind of throw something together. I said, I want to play relativity because uh, I like it. It is the most fun build I have right now. And it's good. It's not broken. It's good. So I decided that the tampering with times in it are just too vulnerable to Alvera, so, you know, screw it. Let's replace those with Oh Nothing Happens. Because it's got Delivery Boys in it, and it keys off of temporal events, so, and it's a one-cost event, so it can't, and it's printable now, too, which is kind of nice for the added benefit, uh, but that doesn't really matter. So I brought it. I, I, I replaced the two tampering times with two Oh Nothing Happens, and then I said, well, this, this build is really missing the one fed that's kind of make... Uh, the game a lot more interesting and I always wondered why the original build didn't have Kirk in it uh, OT or even uh, the whatever one from Dangerous, not Dangerous Missions but from Fractured Time Living Legend and I never I never figured that out and so you know I played the deck as it was originally you know I added my own dilemma pile but you know whatever and it worked, right? As it was, it worked great. But I said, hey, how about, you know, instead of bringing the same deck again and hoping to win, let's modify it and see if by modifying it, it performs better or worse. And sure enough, so I added one copy of Original Thinker and one copy of Living Legend. And on, on top of the other changes, I made a slight modification to my dilemma pile, and boom. Uh, first game, actually, so all three games, I'm very proud of myself for this. And I don't know if it was me or just my opponents or a combination of the both. Is not only did I win the tournament, but I prevented my opponents from ever solving a mission. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, so my second tournament win with the same basic deck, and not only <laughs> did it win the first time, but now I've 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 gone a step further. I don't mean to toot my horn, my own horn. I'm sorry. I don't mean to brag, but I do. It's exciting. It's it's fun to say, wow, I've got a really good deck here that not only is it really good, but my opponents didn't solve a single mission. Wow, that's impressive. So all of my opponents did put forward, uh, they put forward their best. And, uh, you know, and I made some mistakes, they made some mistakes, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it was what it was. I had a lot of fun, uh, and I appreciate, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, 
like, wow, I'm so much better than these players. These players have been playing much longer than I have been. Uh, Al and Eric and Mike. And they... I'm very impressed with all their builds. Their builds are amazing. I couldn't even come close to that if, you know, without net decking or trying to key off of someone else's thing. I'm not there yet as a, as a player. But seeing these impressive builds always inspires me and goes... And it makes me think about, you know, I play against Al's Romulans, for example. He uses Denatra plus Picard plus these Romulans that key off of being not stopped by events. And he's in control of his mission attempts. He does almost everything he can to keep from basically making dilemmas matter. I got lucky, and my dilemmas did matter. Uh, but in the end, you know, first things first, Picard shuffle. Like, holy shit, my... I don't, there's nothing I can do about that, you know, and when I put dilemmas in a stack, especially with the dilemma piles I run, if they get shuffled out of order, I'm probably screwed, especially with Denatra, right? So if I, this is good, right? This is good for Romulans because Denatra says the, you know, you know, pick whatever one cost dilemma that doesn't have a skill on it and then nerf it, right? And she goes away, right? So... If I want to put Secret Identity in front of a Chula the Chandra and Picard's there, it's like, well, <laughs> I got nothing better to do. I'm going to have to get lucky here. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, it was like a Secret ID, Chula, and Tormented Dreams because he left a senator on Romulus for PNP. And uh, I think it was um, uh, the uh, Siakovsky. The one that costs zero and stops a dude if you have, you know, chooses a person to be stopped and it goes back to the deck. I don't know why I can't remember the name of it, but the one with Yara on it. And it basically ended up in the same order, I think. Somehow I was able to, you know, nerf and say bye-bye to Natra and the Chandra did its magic and the other ones were good too. And that that was it. It, it, That's what stopped him from pretty much uh, doing any mission uh, it was because by the time he had done that, I was able to win um, by solving three missions. So it, it worked out great for me, not so great for Al, but when when you face a challenging deck like that, that if you don't have the right tools in your dilemma box, then you know, hats off to him for, for coming up with pretty much a great combo of personnel like that. So, anyway, then I play against Eric, and Eric brings his Borg deck. He's got this Borg deck. It's so finely tuned. Uh, it, he would have done great, um, and except that, you know, it's Borg, and he's, you know, using Quintessence, and this is probably his one of his first times playing it post-Errata, and the Erratas hurt. They hurt quite a bit. He, he using... I've got this mission in in my missions that's you know it's the one that says if you download an event if you're if any player downloads an event that you got to discard a card from hand for every headquarters you have well that really sucks against borg if they're using you've always been my favorite and whichever drone it is that downloads events it didn't help things at least uh and so that mission's great against klingons and borg and i like that quite a bit but they're they're also getting you know hit down with these uh, with these errata and you know I don't know if that 
in total put me over the top, but it certainly didn't hurt. Uh, now, I want to back up and just discuss briefly the idea of, of replaying a match, basically. So at this point, we're starting to get a little fatigued in our playgroup, and people are starting to bring decks that they brought before. Uh, in the two years I've played there, usually it was very rare for me to see a deck come back. But this is now the third time I've faced off against Al's Romulans, and gotta be the sixth or seventh time I've faced off against Eric's Borg. So, so maybe it's not a recent phenomenon, but my relativity versus these decks matches, I believe, have happened before, and I know what to expect. So, what? How do you play in that situation? Do you expect a change from the opponent? Or how familiar are you with these decks? Do you know their dilemma's strengths and weaknesses? Can you name the right dilemma to Oh Nothing Happen or to Crim if you've got Crim? Can you predict that they might have... Um, there's a dilemma that requires two acquisition or two treachery or else someone dies and they get the dilemma back. Are you going to bring... You know, for me, I've got the doctor for that the Dr. Doppelganger card, whomever. And should I bring, do I remember, do my opponent have, does my opponent have that dilemma? And do you start making assumptions like, oh, they must have switched that up? Or do you go, oh, they probably haven't switched it up because humans are uh, by, by nature very lazy and they, they're probably not prepared for certain things like changing up their deck every so often. So, that, that could make for an interesting show in and of itself. And I'm coming home right now, but I just wanted to throw that out there as an interesting idea of what do you do when you're facing an opponent again? And this comes up especially in high-level tournaments. You know, how do you prepare for that and what's the right mental attitude to take for that? So I don't really have a good answer for that, but I think it is a very interesting topic. So let's discuss it another time. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This is Corbin Johnson, and I want to say, you know, thank you so much for listening to this show. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, really don't hesitate to leave me a voicemail at 267-CALL-CPJ. Uh, and if you're interested, I'll discuss your comments on air. And, yeah, I'm signing off saying so long, and thanks for all the trek.